Hello and welcome to Off The Grid, the unconventional podcast hosted by myself, Harry Vidler. Off The Grid is a podcast that uncovers the untold stories of people in technology. We sit down with experts and leaders in software engineering, cybersecurity, cloud, product and data to discuss their expertise and career paths. Join us as we explore their achievements and challenges. We'll be diving into various tech communities and underrepresented groups to explore how organisations are driving positive change through new initiatives. This season on Off The Grid Untold, we'll be pulling industry leaders away from their desks for a series of honest and raw interviews. We'll be digging into their career journeys and asking about the challenges they overcome. Thank you for coming along to the first Off The Grid podcast, Sophia. It's absolutely lovely to have you. But obviously, before we dive into to it yourself, being our first episode and our first ever guest, actually, which is quite impressive. So firstly, thank you so much for jumping on and obviously just being the first person to kind of put your trust in me and get your story out there. So Off The Grid's a podcast that we're creating here at Orbis that's going to uncover and essentially tell the kind of stories of people in the cyber and the tech world, experts and leaders like yourself that have a story, have a career, have a journey. So you can shed light on kind of what you've been through, the experiences you've had and essentially what helped you get to where you are. So for the rest of our audience that likes to join us as we look at our guests over the next few weeks, their achievements, challenges, and we'll be diving into various tech communities and underrepresented groups talking about DEI and difficulties in hiring in the tech world and obviously trends in the cyber world as well. Now, this season with Off The Grid Untold, we're looking solely at industry leaders, obviously like Sophia here, to shine a light on exactly how they've got to where they are today. So without further ado, my first guest, Sophia Nicholson, have the floor. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited, especially to be the first one on your podcast. That's awesome. So thank you for having me. No worries at all. So would you like to give like, kind of a little bit of background of yourself? Obviously, you're with Microsoft now in terms of work, representing Latinas in cyber here on, on the podcast plus today. So yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah. So I have been with Microsoft now for the last three years, working their SOC as an investigator at Security Operations Center. So basically how I got to this point is it's very non-traditional. I started in the Army. I was 18 years old and I enlisted into the U.S. Army and I was an information systems analyst. Basically, I was your help desk for the Army. I did that for a few years and then around in 2010, 2011, the Army started getting into security and to what we know as information assurance back in the day. And so I got into that. I was an E5, which is low level leader at the time. And I was tasked to help stand up a security program for our organization that would impact the region that we lived in at the time. So I did that and really liked it. I was impressed with how more deep IT can get into, right? It was all these new things to me. So after doing that for a few years, around 2015, the Army had created a new job. It was called a Cyber Network Defender. And so this is supposed to be more technical, this, you know, hacker and you're defending from hackers. So I'm like, oh, this sounds so awesome. I need to do this. So I put in for it and I got accepted into the program. The rest is history as far as cyber goes. I supported the Army for a few years after that. I medically retired in 2017, and after having a couple of different jobs as a contractor, I eventually landed at Microsoft Line that today. Oh, excellent. And I guess then, so your military background, what kind of pushed you into the military or drove you into joining the military at 18? Is it a family or something that you sort of wanted to do for yourself? It was twofold. Um, <laughs> my grandparents raised me and I'm second generation Cuban. So um, my grandfather, even though he was, a, you know, originally from Cuba, he actually was part of the Vietnam War. He fought for the U.S. in Vietnam. 
And so he would always tell me, it's okay, you got to go in the army. You're like, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. And I was like, okay, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. But then come high school, I joined the ROTC program, the JROTC program. I was into it, but I, you know, I was young. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I just kind of was like, mom, I'm going to the army. She's like, but it's the middle of the war. You can't go into the army. And I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And she was like super scared for me. But yeah, I kind of just went because there was really nothing else for me to do. So there wasn't really nothing much for me at back home. And I felt like it would be a good stepping stone to push a, my career forward. And it was. So it was a good choice as an 18 year old, I think. Honestly, it's, it's an interesting one because you see a lot in the cyber industry, especially in the US and, and sort of around the globe. A lot of kind of professionals come from a military background. So it's that kind of mindset you have in there. Would you say that when you were in the military, you kind of gravitated towards a cyber sort of industry of, of work life or was it something you were pushed towards? How did that sort of work out? So originally I was supposed to be a Morse code interceptor. So how it works is you go to the recruiter, you take your ASVAB test and they say, okay, according to your scores, you can qualify for these type of jobs. I had a pretty high score, so literally got to pick what I wanted, but there's a trick to it. When you go to the station to go pick your job, it's whatever job is available at that current time at that day. So it's really by luck. So originally it was a Morse code interceptor. And so I signed on for that. But then like, before I could even go to basic training, I'm still in the late entry program. They were like, okay, well, apparently this MOS is no longer a thing. So they got rid of it. So we got to get you into a new MOS now. And MOS is the job in the army. So I went back and they were saying water purification, transporter, which is basically a truck driver, like all these things. And then they're like information systems analysts and I was like, what does that do? And they're like, you're just basically managing computer systems. I'm like, boom. I'm like, that's the one I want because I know when I get out, I'll have a good job doing that. So that's the one I want. And that's how I got into it. And so basically it was kind of forced, kind of chosen. I was just kind of basically trying to find a, a career that would be able to have good opportunities outside of the army. Because I knew the army wasn't going to be forever. So. It's interesting. It's something that I've done a lot of work on in the past. It's that kind of transition from military active service into the kind of the veteran world. How did you sort of find that obviously past the military, getting into that kind of civilian life, if you like? Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> Especially since you you've been I mean let's be real institutionalized since you were 18 right yeah. like I've been deployed I had been to strategic military units I've been to units that deployed a lot had a lot of grunt training if you will so it was hard transitioning and knowing that I don't have anyone to report to technically like I can I just come to work and I work and that's all that's expected of me I was trying to find my foothold when I got out you see my resume you would see that I have a bunch of different contracting stints and you could tell like I'm trying to find my way in my civilian career at this point. I had a really great opportunity with Jacobs Technology where I feel like really propelled me because I was part of a blue team and I was the manager for the blue team. So that really helped me get into management from the civilian side because I already had it from the military side for many years already because I was an E7 when I got out, which is somewhat of a senior leader. And also my technical skills developed a lot. Yeah, it was hard, but I, I eventually I found my way. <laughs> it's honestly, it's, it's whenever I speak to people in sort of active duty, obviously looking to make that step on there, the kind of biggest challenge they come up against is translating the skills that you've learned in the military and kind of just translating that into real world jargon. And like you say, it's a real shock to the system going from everything regimented, you know, exactly where you're going to be at what time to that whole kind of structure just being ripped out from underneath you. So I guess, you know, when you were making that kind of transition, say you could go back and sort of put your arm around 18 
19-year-old or sort of early 20-year-old self when you're making that kind of change into civilian life, what would your kind of word of advice be for you then at that point? So this is assuming I'm 18 or 20 switching into civilian life? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, wow. Okay. I would try my best to be disciplined. <laughs> so honing on your craft, right? So honing on your skill set, whatever it may be in whatever industry you're in, honing on your skill set and be disciplined to not follow the crowd and always go out and have fun and party because usually that's what we're doing at 18 and 20 right and try to do things that better yourself professionally and as an individual because then it will be so much easier when you're already like 10 years in right and you are already set the stage for yourself early on and you're able to propel yourself but into the spaces that you want to be in but not only that and you are also now mentoring people and you're able to help the next generation come up so it's a lot. And I don't expect a lot of 18 and 20 year olds to be thinking like that. But if they can, they should. <laughs> it's really important. It's all about balance. Is, is what, what I'm getting yeah. from that. It's all about balance. Have fun. But yeah. You, so you mentioned on there about mentors. Have you had kind of a constant mentor through? Or have you sort of looked for different mentors at kind of various sort of stages of your life? Yeah, no, I had a few who are constant. But majority is like finding different ones for different stages of my life. Because, you know, whatever mentor you have, they will reach their own barriers, if you will. Like they, they're mm. like at the peak of their performance at a certain time. And that's good for them and everything. But then maybe you want to delve into this special versus whatever specialty this mentor is currently in. So of course, having a wide variety of mentors, I think is really helpful. But, but know your path and know what you want to do. Don't get sidetracked with all the great new stuff out there because you could easily, especially in cyber, you know, there's so many niches and it's like, well, what am I going to get into? What certificate should I get it? What, yeah. how should I, what school should I get into? What kind of job should I get? So it's really know what you want, know what is out there and figure out what you want and then just create a pathway going forward and pick the people that you feel are great leaders in that space to learn from. And it's okay if it's not like a lifetime thing because it, it's meant to change, you know, because you will change over time. Just just kind of a word of advice, I guess, for people listening to this that are going to be like, right, I'm going to go out and find yourself a mentor. How would you say is the best way to approach that? Say someone came up to you and they were like, look, I really like what you're doing kind of thing. What would the kind of message you want to see to then be like, look, this is someone that really cares about their career. Obviously, you need to be willing to give up some of your free time to help them out. So it needs to be sort of worthwhile on, on both ends. So, yeah, what would you kind of look for in that sense? That's a great question because it is a give and take, right? As a mentor, I sacrifice my time. As a mentee, you're also going to be sacrificing your time. So it's a symbiotic risk relationship. So really, I would like to see someone who is serious about what they're doing, um, has a plan, or maybe doesn't know exactly how to get to that. But it's like, I know that in five or 10 years, I want to be here. I want to know how do I, how can you help me navigate that space, that pathway to get there? And, you know, be intentional, be specific with what you want, because like I said, in cyber particularly, there's so many niches and I see people say, oh, I'm studying for Security Plus, but then they're like, after Security Plus, I'm going to take SysP. Like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work like that. <laughs> like you need yeah. to, you need to work your way up there. So they're needing that mentor to guide them like, hey, take it slow. This is what you need to do to get to where you need to be. So if they have an idea of that, that's, that's really good. You come along with a bit of a game plan so that mm-hmm. you see you're showing that you're committed to this kind of process and like you say you're not going to waste your mentees time and stuff like that but yeah obviously have a kind of good plan and then that's where the sort of mentor comes in to tweak and change point you in the right direction and and sort of let you know what's best that kind of route for you to get there 
any mentees out there listening, make sure you send a really good email to Sevilla. I'm sure reply. That's excellent. Honestly, it's, it's probably, I'd say, especially for anyone kind of making that transition into cyber, that's the real kind of bit that lump that's stuck in their throat a lot is reaching out to sort of seniors in the, in the world. And you see a lot of the kind of leaders in our space are really sort of open, especially on LinkedIn and stuff like yourself. You're, you're speaking later at the year at a convention, aren't you? I saw yeah, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the thing. You've got to come in nice and prepared. Obviously, there's a lot of people looking to get into the industry as well. So if you're going to come to some of these people, it's, it's really got to be, like you say, a two-way street on there because I'm sure you'll speak to the best leaders in the industry as well. No matter where they are, they'll say they they can learn off everyone as well. So that's the one. Pick the right leader, have a bit of a game plan, and go for it. Really. Exactly. Exactly. Don't be shy. <laughs> don't be shy. That's probably the best one. Honestly, that is probably yeah. the main thing. Is don't be shy. Yeah. Get out there. Get your face out there. Especially, it's so hard to get into the industry coming from an entry level stand. Now, if you know people as well, and you can sort of get your name in through the door, then then all the better for it. So a big piece that I really really want to shine a huge spotlight on is Latinas in Cyber, which is yeah. where our relationship started from. We reached out and started speaking about that obviously the percentage of latinas in the cyber industry is incredibly low in terms of representation when you look at all this kind of underrepresented groups across the board hasn't had a spotlight sort of shined on it too much um especially in recent years with dni coming really to the fray for a lot of organizations so do you just want to tell me a little bit about latinas in cyber and kind of the work you're doing and i, I guess like the purpose the reason why it all, all got started Latinas in Cyber, uh, our initials are LAIC. We are the first and only nonprofit organization that is geared to empower and help women pursue cybersecurity skills, whether they are new to the industry or they are already in the industry and wanting to excel their career. And I think that this is very important work because, as you mentioned, there's a very small percentage of Latinos in general, not just Latinas as a woman, but our demographic in general. There was an article on Forbes that mentioned that only 4% of Latinos, so that includes the men, the women, those to the um, LGBTQ community, all of us make up that 4%. So when you start dissecting that 4%, of course, the Latino population is way smaller mm. than that this touches for me because not just for my community and my and my people but for all really because there's also a small percentage of Asians there's also a small percentage of blacks there's there's mm. a lot of percentages that are being affected of underrepresented re- groups and this is stifling us as a cyber workforce because innovation requires diversity knowing that you're coming from a different walk of life a different experience it's been studied that you just think differently because of the experiences you've had so if you are able to think critically in a different way then I want you at my table because then you'll be able to help me if I have a critical issue for my business organization, you'll be able to then provide solutions that I may have not thought of because of, you know, if everyone around me is from the same walk of life as me, we're going to most of the time think the same. So it's such a big driver for innovation. And I want to see all of us shine from all our aspects to um, Latinas as well because I really feel like we really need us in cyber right now. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's crazy. In a world where the cyber industry especially is crying out about a skill shortage and the gap of kind of entry, like I say, entry-level people getting into the industry, there's a huge, huge demographic across the globe in the United States that can't find that sort of stepping stone into the industry or, like you say, doesn't have the sort of the courage or the voice. So obviously seeing people like yourself and obviously you have Angela Hill in there as well, yes. some real big, big names and incredible women in the cyber industry that are sort of flying the flag on there. So so in terms of the kind of approach to the, the community and stuff like that, what does Latinas in Cyber do for that? Obviously, like I said, you're speaking later in the year. What can the people looking to get involved um, with Latinas in Cyber, how, how can they sort of approach it? 
We have our website, we're on Instagram, we are also on LinkedIn. And basically how we're set up, we have three focus areas. We have a K-12 focus area. We haven't developed programs for this yet, but it's up and coming. We're planning on this. We want to start getting involved with the K-12 age frame because we want to start cultivating that at an early age, propelling them for opportunities that may not have otherwise. And then we have the Cure Her portion, which is basically those who are graduating college or I'm doing a mid-career change, you know, those who need that that help to get into the space. And then we have this cyber C-suite, which is basically focused on women who are already, like myself or others who are already well into their career and are looking to get into the next step of their career in director levels or higher or just management, just upscaling themselves at whatever platform they can. So essentially, we would love to eventually enter the same girls from K all the way through cyber C-suite through their life, if possible, right? So we're working through that and creating different programs. For example, we just launched yesterday, we have partnered with Google and we launched the Google Cybersecurity Program. And we had over 200 people apply and get accepted into the program. And so we're excited about helping those people start their cybersecurity career by achieving the certification that will give them the knowledge they need to, you know, start their career in cyber. Literally, that just goes back to what you were saying about having a mentor or someone. And obviously, in this case, the teams that cyber is going to be that kind of mentor entity, but just pointing you in the right direction making sure like you say you're not just going out picking up certifications for the sake of it kind of thing and really doing something that's incredible about the partnership on google though so tell me more a little bit more about that that's awesome I want to also be clear because a lot of people get confused when they say, oh, do I have to be a woman? Do I have to be a Latina? No, you don't. To be participating with any of our programs, we're very inclusive. Our, all our allies are welcome. But basically, this Google program, we partnered with Google and we were able to secure the Coursera coursework for our uh, candidates for free so they can then study cybersecurity. And basically, these, this program is going to help them pass Security Plus. If they want to pursue the Security Plus, they can. It will help give them the good foundations that they need to continue studying and pass the Security Plus as needed. So we're really excited about that for them. Oh, excellent. So it really is like a, an actual stepping stone sort of into the industry, into kind of a career in there. And that's it. And it's exactly that those kind of partnerships that obviously Latinas in Cyber are going to get more of those and obviously working with us here for those entry kind of level opportunities is only going to flourish in that sense. One last question just on kind of the mentor-mentee aspect of things. In terms of kind of obviously, like it's, I keep dropping in there because I'm so gassed about it as you speak at the end of the year. Any kind of suggestions on some people you'd suggest sort of following, looking at, any kind of books, podcasts, any kind of material that might be a good sort of resource for people? Yeah, sure. So I'm going to name drop a friend of mine right now. <laughs> Her name is Katie Spirit. She is a senior cyber intel threat analyst for MITRE and she has her own blog called Fishing for Answers and her blog is phenomenal. It covers a wide span of cyber topics and it's a really good read. So if you can go Google Fishing for Answers and phishing is like as in cyber phishing, so PH. Cyber phishing. <laughs> Yeah, so go check out that blog. It's really, really great. Sign up for her newsletter. We also have a newsletter, Latinas Insider. We have a newsletter so that you get all the new latest information on what we have going on in news within the industry, things like that, and all our programs that are we're, we're launching. But as far as podcasts go, like Darknet Diaries, I think it's very entertaining. Security Weekly and Hacker News are really good to keep up to date with what's going on because I feel like you need to be in the know, like, you know, news wise on what's going on. 
because it's constantly an evolving, uh, changing face. So that's really important. And these people are like at the front end of that, keeping up with that information. And all plugs and links and stuff, we'll make sure they're put on the post so you can go through and we'll plug all friends. So anything on there you need to get in, we will get make sure it's in there. What I'd love to just ask, I've got two questions actually, two final questions. Sure. One's a little bit cheesy, so we go to that, but just last one for you to sort of wrap up on. Obviously, got to where you are, military service, into the civilian world and, and worked your way up through the cyber industry. What would be your kind of words of wisdom, I guess, to, to sort of share out how you've kind of got over the blockers, the obstacles that have come up in your career and obviously to get to where you are? Imposter syndrome is real. And I think we all at one time or another go through it. And maybe multiple times during your career, you may face yourself in the beginning, definitely because you're new into a space and then you get comfortable and then you start questioning, am I really this good? You know, can I do this? Can I do that? It's healthy to an extent because it humbles you, right? So you want to maintain humble, but at the same time, don't let it overcast on you because you are meant to be where you're at. You deserve the space that you're at. You deserve a, a, a seat at the table and always remember that because if you didn't, you wouldn't be there. You know, you, you are meant to have what you have and you will shine if you just continue working hard and you continue pushing through. And if you have any negative encounters, always try to approach it from a positive standpoint because it will eventually win over the negativity. Be confident in yourself and be humble at the same time and stick to facts and being positive and you will see a good outcomes in my opinion not only was that wonderful but that was also lovely to be honestly i'm gonna phone you up next time i'm in a bit of a bad spot and ask for a pep talk because that was brilliant <laughs> could not echo your thoughts enough at all like you're, you're there you're there for a reason like own it be confident it takes time obviously try fail try fail as much as it needs to but like you say keep going with that attitude and and it will get there no, honestly thank you so much for that sphere obviously we've covered all the, all the aspects i wanted to talk about you wrap it up was and it's a little bit cheesy i'm going to steal it from another well-known podcast so what i'm going to do is i'm going to ask you a question now which is a little bit off brand and then at the end of it i'm going to get you to send me a question for the next person to appear on our podcast they're not going to see it until they jump on the podcast the next time and no one else will know it so have a think of your question but my cheesy question to you is if you didn't go into a cyber career where would you be in the world right now what would you be doing instead of cyber well it's i'm glad you're asking me that (laughs) (laughs) rogue answers encouraged So I am, I think the army did this to me. I love to travel. I love to travel around the world. I love to see different cultures, the way they they live, learn from them, uh, the different sites that they have. So I've actually started my own uh, travel agency. I do that on the side. It's called Viajeros Adventures. Viajeros is V-I-A-J-E-R-O-S and it means traveler. And basically I help plan travel for people all over the world. And I love doing that because it's a way for allowing you to allow them to connect with other cultures and get to experience something they otherwise probably wouldn't and I feel like it's really important to help people open their their minds to different ways of living and different people and really closing a cultural gap between us and the world basically so I probably would do that full time if I could but I can't, but I, but I love it. So, yeah. No, brilliant. Well, hopefully if the podcast takes off, obviously first episode, we'll have you as a cyber marketing digital nomad by the end of the year, just, just <laughs> traveling around the world, doing podcasts here and there. And we'll, we'll set up the business for you. Don't worry. It'll be good. I want to say a huge thank you to be Obviously, like I've said at the start, you're the first person on here. I came to you out of the blue asking if you wanted to feature on a random podcast. So honestly, I appreciate it so much for being our first uh, guest on here and sharing your story, sharing some information, obviously about the Tina's Inside and the work you've been doing and like I said all plugs 
links and everything that will be in the bio and the info on this but obviously if there's anyone listening here that is looking for sort of some mental tips and tricks all those bits and pieces i'm sure your your door will always be open and mine especially as well so thank you Sophia. appreciate it so much no thank you it's been a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast and so thank you so much for the opportunity and i hope that this helps someone whoever is hearing this and in the air so thank you no absolutely i'm sure it will 100 percent. and just echo on that like anyone listening at all that wants to sort of get in touch with myself sophia or anyone else at latinas in cyber for even just a quick chat about what to sort of do where to look or even some sort of information on what you're doing just literally reach out all our information and contact info will be on here as well so feel free to get in touch but other than that as for off the grid's first episode it's time to wrap it up and once again, thank you so much, Sophia. Thank you.